Hi, welcome to the Get to Yes podcast. This special series focuses on a topic that's affecting every business in our industry right now, COVID profitability. This new series is designed to help hair, beauty and aesthetic business owners survive by building a profit-based COVID recovery plan. Neil Osborne from The Sales Catalyst is our host. He teaches, coaches, consults and speaks on business subjects that help hair, beauty and aesthetic businesses how to become commercially clever. Throughout this special series, Neil talks with a variety of industry experts who share business tips to help you navigate your way out of COVID and beyond. His goal is to help build the financial strength of our industry. He'll be discussing in simple industry language important elements in a profit-based COVID recovery plan. We'll cover ways to manage the big costs in your business and make a profit, where your cash flow and profit is and how to keep some of it in your pocket, what your figures mean and how to influence them, how to benchmark your business figures against industry averages and how to communicate and negotiate with your landlord. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, everybody out there in Facebook land and all the other places that you may be watching and listening uh, to this particular fun part of our interview, which is always the fun part at the start, isn't it, Sarah? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, uh, Neil Osborne here, and uh, we're going to be also running this as a podcast as well. So welcome to our Get to Yes podcast listeners. And Sarah is an amazing lady. I had the opportunity of crossing tracks with Sarah recently through uh, Butte Industries, through the Facebook group, because we discovered we had something in common. And as a result of that, we thought it would be great to get together and have a bit of a chat and, well, share some of our experiences with you guys. And this particular conversation today is going to be super helpful for you if by chance you have a problem, which I describe as having too much month in your money meaning your money runs out before it gets to the end of the month, Um, or you have faced some of these decisions at uh, some point in time in your business where you've sat there and gone, well, who should I pay, me or the tax man? Or any other variety of cash flow challenges that you may have had. And this was the area that Sarah and I discovered that we had in common, apart from my wife also being a redhead, but that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) (laughs) So, Sarah, what was it? uh, We're going to be talking about money today. So what was it that drew you into this world of profit first? What was the the one thing that that you got dragged into and really lit your fire? Um, Cash flow. Cash flow is king, is a very important lesson that I learned. Yeah, that's a really interesting thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's a nebulous word that gets thrown around a lot in our industry, but not many people really understand it, do they? No. Um, what, what, how would you describe to the novice uh, cash flow? What, what, how would you try to describe that to somebody? Uh, the, the money that is physically in your account, like that's as plain English as I could, I could put yes. it. Um, the, the money that's in your account, not on your profit and loss statement that your accountant will get you to look at your cash flow from your yeah. balance sheet. Yep. So, you know, there's various ways that we do this. And a lot of people do this through just looking at their bank balance, don't they, on their phone? Yes, absolutely. And uh, for me, that was probably one of the most exhaustive experiences that I had, especially during COVID, where you would be constantly looking at the bank balance of maybe just one account mm-hmm. because that was all the where all the money was coming in. 
Yes. And it used to do my head in because you'd be constantly doing all these sums in your mind. Oh, I've got this to pay, that to pay, this to pay. Um, and I found that part really awkward to deal with. So how has Profit First helped you manoeuvre around that scenario? Oh, it's a really, um, it's, I don't even know where to begin. It's so life-changing, yeah. honestly, Profit First wow. method. Um, mm-hmm. I went from making financial decisions based off of a profit and loss statement that was months behind or Yep. Not in actual real time. Um, paying mm. myself next to nothing, I would pay all of my, my team members or my bills first and think, oh, that's fine. I don't need to take on extra projects or I've got the money to cover that. And we would often be in the red because I was making decisions based off of cash that I didn't have at the time. Mm. Um, so after Profit First, I think I implemented it and within the first quarter, I was able to pay my best on time in full. Wow. Um, I was able to take myself, I was able to take a wage. I I had enough money uh, dispersed over an array of accounts Mm -hmm. as opposed to one account. Um, And I had all of the money there to do all of the things in my business. It's almost uh, inconceivable if someone actually said, well, Sarah, if you follow this very simple, and by the way, we're, we're talking about this book here, which is called Profit First, written by a guy called Mike McCallowitz, an American guy. Um, but it's almost inconceivable because I went through a similar journey where uh, pre-COVID, I, you know, I read the book a few years ago, but never really did anything with it. Silly me. But COVID forced me to. And mm. it was a major change, even though it was a really tough time, to actually now go, oh, oh, I can see money in all these different accounts. Yes. And I, I now know oh, that's enough. There'll be plenty in there to pay the bass or, or whatever. It just really is transformational. Um, mm. With did you have much of a numbers background? I mean, you 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 talk about a profit and loss. I mean, you know, some people probably chatting with us today or listening to us today may may not may not even be aware about you know how important that piece of paper is. But um, mm. did you, do you have a bit of a back, background with numbers or no? Absolutely not. I'm a through and through creative. I detest numbers, and my right. accountant would smack me for saying that. <laughs> But no, I didn't want to look at them. I thought I just want to create the designs, do the branding, help the clients. I don't care about the numbers. Um, But I think when you're working project to project, you Mm. start to not have that reoccurring income come in. You might not have clients that are booking, you know, their regularly eight-week appointment in my Mm. case. So... Mm. I was working project to project, as I mentioned before, paying my team off of project to project, paying my bills off of project to project. And when it got to tax time um, or when it got to the end of the month when I had paid all the team but the bills were due, I think making that decision off of one account, when you think you've got all the money in there and you've got Mm. everything covered, (laughs) it very quickly drains. So no, I, I... I got the term profit and loss from an accountant, understood what that was mm-hmm. and looked at it and thought, where's all that money? <laughs> Have yeah. I really spent all that money? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and especially when you start to realise that you're actually looking at it in arrears, mm. uh, meaning, meaning you're looking at it, you know, backwards. Um, yes. And you can't change what's on there. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's, Absolutely. It, can be really quite scary. Someone really, uh, really described it well to me the other day. They said, well, 
Now, that's why the rear vision mirror in a car is small and the windscreen is so large. You're supposed mm-hmm. to be looking forward, not looking backwards. Yeah. And I just went, like, wow, what an incredible way to describe that. Yeah. Because you're right, it's, it's so challenging in business to try to do everything on the creative side and then mm. literally switch sides of the brain to get down and crunch some numbers. It's, mm. you know, my, my mum was a hairdresser. Um, I say, well, she still is. She's always, always been a hairdresser. But, um, and I think that was the area that always um, she struggled with as well because, you know, she'd been a hairdresser since she was very, very young. Um, and I remember dinner table conversations was always about, um, can you kids leave us now? We need to talk about <laughs> some things, you know, and we'd be mm. ushered off. But mum would always be frustrated with just how to juggle those things around. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially when it came um, to paying wages, that was always the big thing because mum had about four ladies that was working with her at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was always about, you know, I got the impression that mum sort of was a bit on the end of the queue, a bit like we feel we were at different times. Mm -hmm. So how do you handle your um, other people that work with you now? Do you have a separate structure for them or a separate account for them or? Yeah. So, I mean, since Profit First, I've actually built my team based off of the cash flow that I've been able to accrue through Profit First. So Fantastic. when I first started back in 2018 with Profit First, yes. I had one team member and I always, always black and blue will pay my team before anything else, because mm. to me, that's, that's a value that I hold very highly. Without the team, you can't get the work done, right? Yes, <laughs> so the team are very important. Mm. Um, so we were—I was paying that team member, and then I would try and put on, go to look to put on another person. And I thought, well, my business is growing, but I don't know where I'm going to get this money from. There's got to be mm. some money lying around here somewhere. Um, yeah. And then my accountant actually got me onto Profit First. Really good accountant. So. Mm. Definitely highly recommend finding yourself a good accountant (laughs) or someone that can teach you profit first. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, I worked on, uh, followed the profit first method as per um, the book that Mike had written. And then I eventually set up uh, four different accounts um, to manage my money. So I have my income account where all the money that we earn or revenue we earn goes into. And then he suggests fortnightly, I do mine weekly because... I like to get into that really good habit, even though we don't necessarily trade weekly. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a really good habit for me to get into coming from the background of not really enjoying the numbers. (laughs) Without bail every week now, I I disperse my money. Um, And then we have an operational expenses account. So everything that's not team and not my wage as the owner of the business will come out of that account. Um, And then I have a team account, which I always without fail will put the amount that I have to pay my team every week or every yep. fortnight into that account. Mm-hmm. And then um, we have a tax account. So all that money goes into the tax yep. account to pay GST. Um, and then after I, I got into a good habit with that, I was able to see, okay, well, I actually have some money here to pay, afford to bring on another team member. Yes. Um, and then I decided I need to take a wage as well. <laughs> so I set up myself a, an account within the business to allocate that money. Um, yep. And then I also set up a, a profit account, which I should have done the other way around, um, according mm-hmm. to Profit First. But at exactly. the time, the team the team was more important than the profit to me. Yeah. So, yep. yeah. So I actually have six accounts now. Yes. I run all of my my business my business finances through. Yeah, um, and look, it's so easy once you get it set up. 
Let's yeah. be frank. Um, people go, well, how do I man- how do you manage six accounts? Well, to be really honest with you, it's no different than handling one or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people I talk to have a GST account anyway yes. um, that they're normally, you know, trying to put money off and and, and not steal from it at the end of the month when they <laughs> need to pay wages. Um, yes. We joke, joke and laugh about that one a lot. But um, I, have you found that relatively easy to manage? Oh, so it's like it's like clockwork now. I mean, I don't even really think about it. Um, I I just allocate from the revenue that sits in there on a Friday. I allocate my percentages um, that I figured out from profit first yep. um, to each account, and then BAS will come in quarterly. There's enough money there. I have Touchwood never had to have a payment plan again for <laughs> BAS, which is. Oh. Unreal, like such yeah, a. We've all been there at like, some point in time. It's <laughs> terrible, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it's just it's just getting into a really good rhythm, allocating money exactly like you would if you were paying bills or paying the team members. It's yep. it's really easy, and making sure that there's enough money in there um, at the end of the month, I can go. Cool. Well, we have a bit of a buffer this month because yep. you know we didn't spend stuff that we didn't actually have um, to be able to make decisions for the next quarter, which is great. I think that's that's the beauty of um, the way that Mike writes the book, Um, especially when it comes to, you know, the Parkinson's law story about, you know, he uses the tube of toothpaste or smaller plates, you know. It's that whole um, you can only spend what you have mentality, Mm. which is how we run our business now, except we base that decision on the wrong account. Yes. yes. At the moment, we have this one account and we base all of our decisions on that. Where I don't know about you, but since I've set up all of my accounts and it's been a little bit, uh, a little while for me as well, um, I now don't even look at the other accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to quickly just pay, pay a bill to one of my team members before our call. I just quickly looked at my OPEX account. Oh, that's right. There's enough there. Bingo. You know, done. I didn't mm-hmm. even look at the other accounts mm-hmm. uh, or get distracted by them, um, which really surprises me because quite often I used to sit there and just stare at that one account and go, right, now, you know, and you'd spend hours of pen and paper trying to work it all out. Wow, doesn't life change and change so much? Oh, absolutely. And I think too, it's just by doing this alone has helped me, I mean, with that break even, if anyone has has a break even or hasn't got a break even, it's really handy to go, okay, well, the team are actually a little bit separate to, to the, you know, what, opens my and closes my doors every week. So it yep. helps to get a bit of a gauge as well on we might be able to cancel that subscription off of the expenses or we might be able to avoid some fees here and helps you really trim a little bit of that fat as well. Yeah, and this, mm. is, the, this is the thing that I suppose um, has really surprised me the most. Some of the, some of the, because um, the whole profit first philosophy for those who aren't aware of it is that, you base your income distribution into various other separate bank accounts, which, by the way, are no fee, no charge bank accounts, and I can happily give you a list of those if you need to. But anyway, um, but you do it by percentages, not by dollars. And mm-hmm. for me, that's that was that's the big changer, where before I used to put fixed money amounts into certain buckets. Now I do it in percentages. So one month when the cake gets bigger, the slices get bigger one month when the cake is smaller, the slices get smaller, but it all evens itself out. And mm. that's the thing that I found just to be absolutely, well, just really quite breathtaking as to how easy it all is. 
Mm. Um, and I suppose um, the other thing is you mentioned before about adjusting your percentages. Did you do that with your accountant um, or did you do that yourself? How did you do that? I actually just did it myself. Um, yep. I, I read the book and it was honestly easy enough for me to follow mm-hmm. to be able to do that. Um, yep. And I just followed the threshold that was provided um, because I didn't have a huge, like at the time I didn't have a huge you know, team or anything like that. Um, I only had the one person. So it was much easier for me to go, okay, well, this is where I am now. And this is where Profit First suggests that I need to be. And he gave me in the book, just, um, you know, the percentages that I needed to review every single quarter. And now I'm actually at the threshold. I am well at the threshold. So it's, um, it's actually good that I don't have to adjust those percentages, but I still do look at them every quarter just for really good habits. Yeah, I suppose the big message that I have for lots of people is it's not a set and forget system. Mm. It's not just about, you know, going, oh, look, I'll put 5% here, 10% there or whatever the numbers are. It does require, well, personally, I found it was better to talk it through with somebody and actually get that extra level of perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, that I think has really, really helped me. Um, even though I'm fairly comfortable with numbers, I still wanted to talk it through and sort of go, well, what about this? What about that? And what happens, you know, if there's too much money in the account, do I need to adjust it? Or what happens if there's not enough money in that particular account? All of those sorts of scenarios, mm-hmm. I think, until you get through that first three to six month period. Yes. It does take a little bit of adjusting, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. And I think it's like, what's that thing? It takes like 21 days to cement a new habit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think if you're doing this, say, weekly, it's going to take 21 weeks to get yourself in that habit. That's a really good way to put it because I I have to totally agree with you there. It's not something you can actually just set up and start. Mm. It's actually something that you need to continue to to work with, which... Mm. Look, at the end of the day, it's, I suppose, no different than going on a diet or something like that. And, you know, if you don't stay on the diet, you're not going to get the results, are you? That's Um, it. It's like servicing a car in the end, I think. I'm at the point now where I feel like my finances, we just service a car every quarter. Yep, yep. And it actually works by itself once once you put in the time and the effort to actually set it all up. So Mm. um, thank you. I mean, I really appreciate you because it's just lovely because to be really frank with you, we're just starting to introduce profit first into the broader side of the industry, into the the hair, beauty and the aesthetic industry. I've recently been certified um, to teach profit first, which, you know, for me is a lovely way to be able to put back into the industry um, Mm. after all of these years. So, um, uh, so we're starting that uh, actually next Monday on the 19th of, uh, of April is our going to do a, a live demonstration um, so everyone can see some of the practical pieces as to how Profit First works, which is really, really great. But for all of our listeners um, and those that are uh, part of our call today, um, tell us a bit about Digital Bloom. Um, I'm really curious. So you, you touched briefly on it the other day that you're into branding. Um, yes. Help me understand that. That's a that's a thing that I suppose we see inconsistencies within our industry all the time. Mm. So tell me a little bit about what you do and, and, and how clients that are listening could benefit from working with Digital Bloom. Yeah. So um, Digital Bloom, we are a, a little branding studio. I, I like to say little because we're not a huge agency. <laughs> I don't like to, that, that little banner. Um, but a a little branding studio basically and we specialize in the hair beauty and wellness industries to help evolving businesses and brands turn heads for all the right reasons is what I like to call it. And all those right reasons are connecting with your 
your dream clients and understanding that, you know, you might be in a niche or understanding that you have an ideal client that, that you want to speak to and really help in a really crowded marketplace differentiate your business. Mm. Um, and like you mentioned before, through consistent branding. So um, we are the visual component of that and we, you know, help you strategically not only connect with those customers and those potential clients, um, but it's in a consistent way. So through similar color, uh, same color usage, not just on Facebook, but on Instagram and on your signage and on your business cards and using mm. the same fonts and the same logos. So everything visual, um, we really help, you know, these, these industries nail in a consistent format. Yeah, that, I, I find this really fascinating. My wife um, works in this space in a very, very different industry. But um, when I first started this particular uh, brand, this particular sales coaching business, what I'm doing now, she set me up a branding kit. Yes, you know, right down to all the the colours and the right numbers for them, and and even the fonts and sizes, and you know, just the, it was about three pages, and I went what are you doing all of this for? But now I get into trouble if I deviate from that. And, and, <laughs> and God love her. I mean, she's doing it for all the right reasons, but it's actually helped me communicate a really consistent message mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm, I'm the creative cook in the kitchen, yeah? So I, I open up five cookbooks and my recipes are always a bit of that. My mm. wife is a baker. She'll follow one recipe all the way, you know, which yes. is something I just, I'm hopeless at doing. And I think my branding story is how I cook mm. until someone taught me that that's not the right way to do it. Yes. I have to admit, I, after many years in business, I was really surprised how important this, this branding piece is mm. because I suppose it would be like every time a Mercedes drove past you, the Mercedes badge was slightly different. Mm, absolutely. And it's, wow. it's interesting because if you think about it, especially in this day and age, we're flooded with millions upon billions even of um, information at everyone, which, which way in every second. Like yep. you think about how often you would scroll on Facebook or Instagram or what have you, jump on Google. There's no way for anyone to become memorable and make an impact and, and leave an imprint on someone or your potential audience or clients without being consistent because how did Apple, you know, for instance, <laughs> become oh. memorable? Like they're a symbol, right? But yeah. they're consistent in every single thing they do. And over yes. time, that's developed memorability. It's like the Nike thing. Could you could mm-hmm. you imagine a salon, you know, being a swoosh? I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be amazing. But whoever thought years ago that that was possible? And I suppose mm-hmm. these examples that you use, this is, this is the epitome of what really good branding can do. Mm. Uh, Absolutely. Very piece of the jigsaw. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at that, that swoosh in for Nike, for example, in isolation, without the Nike, without the feelings, without the, the memorability that they've created as the essence of their brand, it's just a swoosh. That's it. So there's, there's the visual component that we will help you with, of course, but it's also understanding how to connect that with the feeling and resonate it with your target demographic as well, which is yes. the other part of what we do. Success leaves clues is, I think, mm-hmm. a tremendous phrase to remind ourselves of. And when we look at really successful brands out there, I look at it and go, why are they successful? 
Mm. Not, oh, look at them, tall poppy syndrome. But I'll give you an example. I, I've done lots of work over the years with Tony and Guy. Um, I imported TG for a while there and, and a variety of other things. But, you know, Tony and Guy, undisputedly, you know, one of the most successful, if not the most successful hairdressing franchise at a worldwide level. Mm. Um, but one thing they have right is their branding. Yes. The way that, you know, the logo, the term, the word is described, Tony and Guy, it's always the same. It always looks the same. It's always, it's either white on black or black on white, but that's just the way it is. Mm. And I think that is so true to aspire to. If you want to build a brand, you've Mm. got to have a branding backbone to your business. Otherwise, you could end up way over in left field. Mm. Um, (laughs) A designer once told me a story many years ago of two cars sitting in Sydney and both of them were going to drive to Perth. But before they set off, the person in the car on the right-hand side turned the steering wheel an inch. Mm -hmm. It tells you how long ago the story was. Um, And that person ended up in Broome. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the branding story, isn't it? If you don't get it right, you just could end up um, anywhere. So, wow. I love what you do and I particularly even love little simple things like the way your icon pops in your email and things like that. It's lovely to see. Um, Thank you. And you obviously walk the talk. So congratulations and I wish you tremendous success um, in that journey. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and it's been an absolute delight to, to have you chatting and, uh, uh, and sharing some of the real-life experiences that I hope to bring to many, many people in the in the hair, beauty and body and the aesthetic industry. So, uh, Sarah, I really say thanks. And uh, I know lots of listeners will also really appreciate uh, what you've shared with us tonight. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the special COVID profitability series of the Get to Yes podcast. If you like what you've heard, please share it with other people who also want a more profitable business. Until our next episode, you can visit Neil at thesalescatalyst.com.au.